Here comes the Here comes the Here comes the Y'all don't really want it like that Here comes the Boom Kata and company, apparently. Like, only only Okada was cool enough to get the nickname, but we are the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast, and we're here to uh, give you this awesome fantasy football information. Head into week eight. This uh, I feel like I say it every week, but the season's going so fast. Just yeah, it's kind of crazy. I can't believe we're already halfway through the season. Are we over halfway for fantasy? Yeah, I mean, if you, it depends on it, when you start playoffs. Yeah, because well, most, if you do it the most, right way, week sixteen <laughs> well, is the end, right? Yeah, yep. right. So starting in week fourteen, so we're over halfway through the fantasy regular season. You know, so yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's do or die time for a lot of teams now. Hundred percent. And uh, speaking of that, we will be talking about some uh, potential strategies. Uh, I won't. I won't spoil it. I got a cool drop for you guys on a new segment we're gonna do, but. Uh, yeah, we're going to kind of give you some ideas to how to turn things around and get get into the playoffs because that's why we're here. So, um, yeah. Also, Kent, I don't I don't think you should feel too bad about not getting the boom. I think it just doesn't really work with your guys' names. Like it's true. Why boom doesn't I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't quite have the ring. Boom, boom rock. I could be boom rock. That's awesome. What do you? <laughs> oh, that that actually does kind of work. All right, I can see it. If you That's just okay. use it enough, we'll make it happen. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll just ignore I'll the force, fact that I'll it's force, not a good nickname. <laughs> force it into the lineup. But uh, on that note, let's jump into the news. I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Listen out there, DJ owners. Raise up your hands. Feel the love. Mike McCoy has been fired. And now I don't. I, I feel kind of bad celebrating someone getting fired from their job, but he kind of deserved it. He was pretty bad at it, so um, it's he's out as offensive coordinator for the Arizona Cardinals, and I think that directly benefits David Johnson. Uh, Byron Leftwich is going to be the guy stepping in to take over play calling duties. He's done it a little bit before. He was a Bruce Arians guy. I like this change. How do you guys feel about it? Oh my God. How, how can you not just be ecstatic as someone that owns DJ and, you know, any Cardinals receiver or uh, offensive weapon? How can you not just be thrilled that there's going to be a change of scenery and a change of, you know, offensive play calling and methodology? My hope is that, like you mentioned, with Leftwich having some roots to uh, the Arians offensive style of system, that that's when we saw DJ really break out and become what he is as far as a talent in the NFL. So I'm hoping that we can get a glimpse of that and, and really just salvage uh, his fantasy season this year. Yeah, uh, I I think I saw a chart at one point a couple weeks back of the Cardinals rush, like rushes by direction. And it was like a perfect oh, little yeah. bell chart where everything was right down the middle. And they had, I think they had the least carries or something like that in the league, but the most carries in the entire league straight down the middle. And it was just hysterical how dumb McCoy was being with Johnson and this offense. So I I don't even know what to expect from Leftwich, but I think it can only be better. And also, it makes me feel old that players I remember playing are now coaches in the yeah, NFL. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> that is a little I weird. I mean, not, 
not only were they running up the middle so often, they were bad at it. I mean, everything mm-hmm. they did was just so predictable and so unsuccessful. It is uh, unbelievable to me that someone would repeat doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting different results. That is the definition of insanity. So Mike McCoy, unfortunately, lost his job. But in terms of fantasy football, I think that's good for David Johnson. Let's move on to the next piece of news here, which I think is kind of interesting. I mean, Amari Cooper was traded to the Dallas Cowboys this week, and he was kind of struggling. Okay, really struggling with the Raiders. But then again... (laughs) You're being too kind. Yeah, I'm always a little bit too kind. But honestly, who wasn't struggling on the Raiders? It's been kind of sketchy over there up until this point. So I'm not certain this is entirely on Cooper so far this season. I mean, yeah, he's had the drop problems, but... The Cowboys needed a receiver. Dak needs someone to throw to that isn't Alan Hearns and Cole Beasley. So it's a good step. I I think it makes sense for both teams. They got a first-round pick for him, which is mind-blowing to me. But, uh, yeah. Did you guys watch Monday Night Football this week? I did. Yes. Did you see Jason Witten talking about who won the trade? And he was like, hands down, this is the Cowboys. No question about it. It's like, dude, you're the only person out there that thinks that this was a win for the Cowboys in terms of what they gave up to get him. Uh, When you look at NFL talents, and I get it, it's a completely different scenario. But, you know, the Patriots gave up a fifth-round pick for a guy like Josh Gordon. And they gave up a first for a guy like Amari Cooper. So it's just kind of uh, interesting there. That Monday Night Football production is just awful it is so so bad i cannot get over it but uh yeah someone at the end of the year someone's gonna have to make a highlight reel of all the worst things that were said or done on monday night football because the highlights are just it's all right well let let me get a real let me get a quick take from you guys on amari cooper on the cowboys and how you feel about that landing spot eventually I think it might actually be better for Cooper than it was in Oakland just because the consistency was so lacking in Oakland that if he can go to Dallas and get consistent targets um, I don't want to say Prescott is a better thrower than Derek Carr but they're pretty much equally bad so I don't know if it's uh, up or down in that sense Um, maybe he can he can finally be someone reliable at some point. However, what I will say is I don't expect that point to happen for at least several weeks. Receivers do not transition in trades like this midseason as well as running backs do. Um, so I don't. it's going to take him a little bit of time to learn the offense, and I don't see him being startable for a few weeks at least. And I don't even know if you're going to want to start him then in your fantasy playoffs when he finally is potentially reliable. So... I would not call him a buy candidate. Yeah, I would agree with the vast majority of that. I feel like this is pretty much a lateral move for Cooper. He kind of goes from a situation where you never knew it was going to happen week to week. And I do think this will be a little bit more consistent. But um, as we saw, you know, even as, as early as last year with Dez, it just wasn't reliable as the wide receiver one in that offense. They go through the ground um, and, you know, they run through Zeke. So for me, it's kind of a lateral move, but. Obviously, you know, from the the situation, the scenario in Oakland, I feel like anything is a little bit of a a bump to his value at this point. Yeah, I kind of tend to agree. Real quick, let me get a one-word answer from you guys. Would you rather stash Amari Cooper going forward or sell him? Sell. Agreed, because I think there's somebody who will buy him. Sorry, That was a really long one-word answer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think I'm – I think no one's going to buy in – 
too much on the sales. So I think I'm going to stash for that reason. But also, also, that's along, why I added so many also words. Along there has one to word be that answer, one person. <laughs> let's let's move on forward here. Let's talk real quick about Le'Veon Bell. There's not really much to report here other than the fact that he is still not reporting to the Steelers practice. So I'm sorry, Lev Bell owners, and I'm sorry, people out there, if you traded for him. At this point, I think things look real bleak. That's uh, that's uh, like I don't think he plays a, a snap this year. I think he's dedicated to his quote unquote cause. Really? Ooh. I mean, he. I don't know. I. Uh, I guess he's got to show up to get to get his franchise tag. Um, like make it go through. He does. So, yeah, he has to show up by week ten. Although then they can do this weird thing where they keep him out for two more weeks, some kind of exemption. So I think he could not play until week thirteen. Hmm. That's I think that's the latest that he could not that's crazy. play. And at that point, I'm not wow. going to. Are that's you going to start him? I mean, day one, are you going to throw him back in your running back one slot? I I I wouldn't. I don't know. I I don't know about RB one, but I think he's going to be startable. I don't think that he's going to be a better flex option than whatever your flex yeah. currently is. Okay. As soon as he comes back, even if it's week thirteen. What I what I will say is if you're Six and one or five and two, I would consider trading for him, mm. depending on the price. Is there? But you have to. Is last there a situation the where he signs his franchise tag and then crosses his arms and plops down on the on the turf and says, "I'm not playing." Like is that? <laughs> All right, Livio, you're in. I you can just see, see him sitting on the bench, hands uh, crossed, like, <laughs> holding on to it, and not getting I don't up. Know. It's, someone's pulling it's him off. So sketchy. But um, I, I, I. Did you guys see what? What Juju did today? Yeah, yeah, the lottery tickets. So good. How many was it? Bought a hundred plus Mega Millions tickets this week, and in the interview, he said he tried to win it so they could pay (laughs) Le'Veon Bell and get him back. I love that guy, man. The end of the end quote was, "It didn't work." (laughs) It was hysterical. All right, well, let, let's move on. We're going to talk real quick. There was a little bit of trade rumor speculation going around this week. The trade deadline is coming up. Do do either you know the date off the top of your head? I know it's this the 30th. the 30th. Okay, perfect. So, um yes. there were a few names tossed around, most of them not super fantasy relevant, but I think the biggest one was probably Demarius Thomas, who has been dealing with the case of the case Keenums. Why thank you? Thank you. Hey. <laughs> and uh, Very nice or I should have said a case of the Keenums. God. Oh, okay. I <laughs> uh, I I'd cut that out, but I'm too lazy. B minus. Um, B minus. But <laughs> I think um I don't know. Are there still good days ahead of Demarius Thomas if he were to get traded? I, I personally, I'm kind of, I don't think so. So, how do you feel about it? It depends on where he goes. I think he actually would have been a better option for the Cowboys than um, Cooper. Obviously, that ship has sailed. Uh, I could see him going somewhere like the Eagles. I think it has to be a contender, so it's not going to be one of the awful teams like the Bills. Uh, but what uh, what I'm more interested in, because I think wherever DT goes, he's kind of washed, not completely washed, but somewhat, is how valuable Cortland Sutton becomes even in redraft if oh, they yeah. do trade Demarius Thomas. Love Cortland Sutton. We talked about him real quick on the waiver pod. Yeah, I love him as a speculative ad. If he's still out there as a free agent in your league, I love adding him, stashing him for a week or two and seeing what happens. And, you know, it, well, you'll know your answer soon. Like Okada said, the deadline is October 30th. So, you know, in roughly about a week, if you stash him and it doesn't work out and DT is still on the Broncos roster, it's fine to just drop him at that point. But I agree. I think that he becomes a very intriguing play uh, if DT does get shipped off. Yeah, I 100% agree. I think uh, Emmanuel Sanders would immediately jump to like my top. 
and I think he's already top five right now in terms of scoring so far this year, but I think he'd be up there for the remainder of the season uh, as a predictive standpoint. So I would be pretty excited about that as well. But not, nothing much else there as far as trade rumors go. Um, so with that, let's move on to some injury discussion. Doctor, doctor, give me the news. We have a series of injury-related pieces of news here today. The biggest one, I think, that we talked about briefly on the waiver wire pod in order to get those waivers in on Tuesday. Uh, Marshawn Lynch got sent to injured reserve. So, uh, Betts, what did you hear about his injury? Was this uh, surprising to you at all, or how do you feel about it? It wasn't really too surprising. When he initially got injured, they were calling it a groin injury, but they didn't really give too many details about the specifics. Um, he actually was seen in Philadelphia and had surgery to repair uh, a, a core muscle injury, which is pretty much a junk term for anything that can be a hernia to an oblique to anything basically around your, your abdomen and your pelvis. Um, but regardless, he's on IR after the surgery. And it's worth noting, too, this is a, a similar injury that he dealt with a couple of years ago before he came out of retirement. So, um, you know, he's getting up there in age, and this could very easily uh, end his career, unfortunately, for Beast Mode. Yeah, I mean, as far as the people who are filling the the void there, uh, you got to talk about Doug Martin and Jalen Richard being the top two names. Uh, Doug Martin being the gross one, and Jalen Richard kind of being the intriguing PPR option. And uh, I think it's unfortunate, but Doug Martin probably could re- provide some fantasy relevance for the remainder of this year. So um, we kind of have to deal with that. Yeah, I think both you guys said you'd take Richard, and I would take him by. Uh, 17 miles roughly <laughs> uh, Lynch wasn't even doing that well except when he scored a touchdown and I think Martin is much worse than he was and I think that this offense has gotten worse and will get worse um, so I am re- have pretty much no interest in Martin whereas Richard I think this team will be behind literally 60 minutes a game maybe more <laughs> if that's possible, which it's not, but if it is, they could pull it off. They'll figure it out. So, They'll do it. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and he's a great pass catcher. So I actually really like him, possibly even as a low end RB two in PPR. There, I heard even some whispers of David Carr being traded. Derek Carr. Derek. Derek Carr. I always confuse those names. Why they both start with D? That's terrible. Um, I know. <laughs> yeah, but I, I heard whispers that Carr might get traded too. I mean, I, I think it's more. Uh, through the grapevine rather than substantial claims. But uh, you're right. I mean, they lost Amari Cooper. They've lost Marshawn Lynch, who actually looked pretty good this year. I mean, he didn't, he wasn't going out of control, but he, he was definitely looking good considering his age. And uh, that things have gotten worse, and Gruden isn't doing so hot, and that the whole game plan appears to be full rebuild at this point. So, yeah, you- just a quick side point. I have to say, I'm I buy into Gruden after this, well, after it, the Cooper trade. I, I give him like a couple years, maybe. I don't know if I'm ready for even like next year or the year after, but maybe three out. Right, I, I can get behind. Right, me. I mean that's clearly the plan. They have five first round picks over the next two years. I I think this is the right move. Did, I like it. Did you see the picture on Twitter? I actually retweeted it. It was a yes. picture of, of Thanos with uh, yep the Infinity <laughs> Gauntlet. Gauntlet. He had three first round excellent. picks on there. And uh, Cooper and Lynch, or no, Cooper and uh, Khalil Mack were fading away. It was pretty good. Yep, so good. <laughs> that was pretty good. All right, let's let's uh, let's go ahead and move forward here. Let's talk real quick about Sony Michelle, who has sustained a knee injury. Uh, I heard that there was no damage, though, so that's a good sign. Uh, he pre- appears to be probably doubtful for this week. 
Betts, uh, how do you feel about this uh, as far as like the next couple weeks? Yeah, he definitely escaped with what could have been a, a major injury. It looked pretty nasty on video. Uh, it is his left knee, which is relevant in the fact that this is the knee that he came into the NFL with, quote-unquote, and I hate this term, bone-on-bone uh, mm. issues in the knee, which doesn't really mean much. It basically just means that he has some imaging that shows uh, a progression of wear and tear on his knee, basically. But sometimes that doesn't correlate to what the the patient or the athlete actually feels. So for me, um, this is one kind of notch, I guess you could say, in the belt for for his long-term health of the left knee. You never like to see recurring knee injuries on the same side. Uh, So certainly that has to affect him long-term. But short-term, Things are going to be okay. He could be back as early as, you know, not this week, but even next week. So uh, good news for Michelle owners. Yeah, um, I am one of those. I, I have Sony Michelle in a few spots, and I believe in his talent, and I think that he finally had been given the opportunity, at, you know, mostly via the injuries on the Patriots in their backfield. But uh, he was looking really good. So uh, I'm not panicking. You know, so I've, I've been getting a lot of trade offers from him, and I've uh, been turning them down pretty much unless they're outrageous. But – um yeah he this is another guy who could be like winning winning fantasy championships this year and uh, i'm all about it yeah especially where you got him in drafts i mean yeah for what he's doing now extreme value and uh hats off to you mr okada because i know that you were all aboard that sony train in the preseason yep love him yeah that boy that dynasty team where i drafted him uh second overall was uh, is looking real good right now so thank you boy. Um, let's let's go ahead and move on to this next piece of news, which on the show doc just says Dolphins wide receivers, and that's accurate because they are all getting injured left and right. Uh, Kenny Stills has been ruled out with a, I think it's a groin injury. Is that correct? Yep, that's correct. And yep. then Albert Wilson actually got put on IR for a hip injury. Uh, so they're dealing with a lot of injuries. I, I, Danny Amendola, 500 targets this next game, over under. Over. I gotta go with the over. <laughs> over. <laughs> but uh, I think he's even banged up himself. He has a shoulder injury, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he's he's always listed on the injury report with something, but generally does play through you know nicks and bruises here and there. So I, I do believe he will be fine for Thursday night football because he has to be. Otherwise, they cannot field a team. <laughs> and supposedly they supposedly, according to Gase. They will play Devonte Parker because they have no one else to play. <laughs> yeah. Which is oh, what a terrible situation. We were talking about this before the show. They they hate Devonte Parker there like a lot. So. Yeah, he could be he could easily be traded too before the deadline after this week. So, I mean, I don't know that that's exciting for any anyone, but similar to the Amari Cooper situation, it has to be an upgrade if he leaves town there and gets a shot somewhere else. Yeah, let's move on. We got one more guy that went to the IR this week, uh, Bilal Powell. He had a neck injury, and from what I heard, is could be career-ending. I mean, granted, he is uh, 29 years old, I think. So he's he's up there in age. That sounds correct. Yeah. And uh, it, this sounds like it was a similar one to the one in Nunwa had last season, but worse. So, Betts, did, what did you hear about it? Yeah, that's exactly what I heard in regards to that. And the specifics for Anunwa is that he was dealing with a, a bulging disc injury last year, which when that happens, you can get nerve compression. It can cause numbness and tingling, weakness, those kind of things in your arm. Um, and it can even cause long-term damage if it's significant enough. 
this was not the case for Enumwa. However, they're saying that it, you know his injury is more severe. So I don't want to read into it too much because I don't know exactly what's going on. But that kind of suggests and tells you that it's possible that he could be having a more severe type of injury that does have long-term nerve damage, which you know you hate to see for a player's health and their career. So hopefully all, all good for Pal, and uh, hopefully he can live a long, healthy life. Yeah, do you, do you maybe Okada, you can answer this. Do you like uh, that Cannon kid, or uh, are you one that's going to hold out for Elijah Maguire coming back to replace Pal? I, th- I think probably Maguire. There, if remembering back to the beginning of this season, we, there was kind of talk that they preferred Maguire and might even get rid of Powell, and that didn't work out because Maguire was injured. But I think that he's expected to come back pretty soon, and he has upside that I think Cannon does not. So again, it has to be a pretty deep league to add Maguire, but I would consider it if I'm in need for sure, especially in PPR. Yeah, um, I added him in our uh, in our uh, listener league, and not only does the coaching staff like Elijah McGuire, the I think it was the running backs coach said he reminded him of Ladanian Tomlinson. So <laughs> I remember that. I mean, that's quite the uh, quite the praise, but he, he probably won't be that good. But I I do think he flashes upside, like you said. Yeah, and he is eligible uh, next week to come back. Is that correct? Yeah, and he's already practicing. So. It sounds like he's probably okay to go. When he when they were entering the season, I remember they weren't really sure if he was going to go on IR or not to open the season. So I, I think that he's probably close to 100%, even though it was you know a foot injury that kind of can linger a little bit. I remember them saying it was going to be uh, like three to six week injury, and I was like, that is that is inaccurate. That is not, <laughs> not true. And here we are, uh, week eight. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Let's let's go over some quick hitters real quick. Uh, just something to keep track of as we go on. Uh, Leonard Fournette and Dalvin Cook are both sidelined. They are going to be out for Week Eight. It's really unfortunate that these hamstrings, darn it, the hamstrings are just tearing us apart. But uh, yeah, they're. Uh, it sounds like Dalvin Cook's going to be out until the bye in Week Ten for the Vikings. So Latavius Murray has value, I guess. Yeah, he does, at least for a few more weeks, for sure. Sadly. I, I was remembering back today when I saw this report on Cook about my bold predictions and how I said Ebron would be great, and I was like, oh, I got it. And then I said Cook would be the number one running back. <laughs> and I just I have him in so many places, so this is really hurting me. However, I will say I think that it's the right move. If they think they can win without rushing him back, rushing him back in the first place is why he's still struggling with this. So... Uh, good on the Vikings, I suppose, although it really does hurt for fantasy to not have these guys. Uh, yeah, and I will say, too, we're going to get to some trade targets later, Yeah, but he is one that I'm I'm absolutely targeting, especially if you are headed for the playoffs and you've got a winning record. If he does come back in Week 11, I have zero hesitation. I don't know about you guys, what you feel, but I have no hesitation that he's going to step right back in and be the lead back and not share much time with Murray. Of course, he'll get a little bit of work, but... I think it's going to be a, a very uneven split in, in favor of Cook. Yeah, and then real quick, a couple more little pieces of information here. Royce Freeman uh, was uh, got a high ankle sprain. Looks like he's probably going to be out this week. Just something to keep track of as he practices. And then Geronimo Allison and Randall Cobb could be returning from each their own hamstring injuries in Week 8. And now real quick, before we go to the over-under segment, I have a real quick rant for you guys. Here we go. Ooh. 
I was so frustrated watching, let's see, I think it was Sunday night football. Was that the Giants game? Was Sunday night football? Uh, I think that was Monday night. Monday night, yeah, it was Monday night. Okay, so that that's what made it even worse. So I was down by probably like 30-some-odd points in PPR, and I was, yeah, I had Barkley left. I wasn't really expecting to get up and get the win on that one. The, my opponent just had a, an outstanding week, and I really was going to be shocked if I got close. Saquon Barkley got to the end of the game with 26.4 points. I am down by five points. And they get down to the one-yard line. Uh. And twice (laughs) in a row, Eli Manning trips over his own shoelaces because that certainly wasn't a rush attempt. Twice in a row. After the first one, I would have, as an offensive coordinator, I would have said, no, okay, we're never, in fact, take it out of the playbook. We're not going to try that one again. No, they do it again, and they do it so obviously, and they get stuffed. The touchdown ended up going to Odell Beckham Jr. in the corner on the left side. Barkley got the two-point conversion, so I was within three points of winning that game just to add (laughs) insult to injury. And I was like, I was just standing and screaming and like, just so frustrated with fantasy football in that moment even though I had a really good week my opponent I almost beat a really strong opponent and just those two Eli Manning rushing attempts on the one yard line were just enough to set me off man it was too much for me I couldn't I couldn't believe it the funniest thing about that to me was that I feel like a bunch of other quarterbacks would have converted both of those attempts like Tom Brady would have had it in one try (laughs) And Manny just managed so to like oh. run into everyone's butts and stop. All he had to do was reach the ball. He didn't even do that. <laughs> He's so bad. Oh my god. He's bad. I'm getting mad all over again. But uh, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. No, in Eli's case, if he first you don't succeed, you retire from the NFL. He's he's done. He's looked so bad recently. But uh, anyway, I digress. But uh, thank you for allowing me to get. Get that out on the pod there. Let's <laughs> let's move on to the over-unders. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. Uh, let's do a little bit of a recap from week seven. We talked about Matt Stafford, Mark Ingram, Julio Jones, Eric Ebron, and then we did a flex comparison between Michael Thomas and DeAndre Hopkins. This week's big winner was Matthew Betts. He had a score of four. Okada had one and I had two, which leads the, the total standings to 21 for me, 18 for Betts, and 16 for Okada. So oh, it's, uh, it's, it's still tight. I mean, it's still a pretty close race overall if uh, if you have a couple of big weeks. I mean, it's possible to get one. It's very easy to get these wrong. So, um, yeah, I won't go over all the individual scores anymore. That's just a little bit time consuming instead let's push on through and talk about this week's matchups i'm not gonna lie i kind of went with some gross names this week because i was trying to aim for guys that were stepping into new roles like haven't been bona fide starters all season uh was kind of the the goal here it might not be perfect but uh, we'll talk through them up first at the quarterback position we're going to talk about the big Brock Lobster, Brock Osweiler, starting for the Miami Dolphins. Ryan Tannehill has already been ruled out. He is projected in a four-point passing touchdown league for 12.5 points. And uh, I didn't get the matchups written down here, but I believe he has a pretty tough matchup as well. Um, Texans. The Texans, yeah. So 12.5, that's a pretty low projection. Uh, but do you feel that he's going to be over or under that? We'll start with uh, Okada. Uh, 
that is slow enough. And Osweiler in the revenge game of all revenge games. I'm going to take the over here. I don't know oh, how he's going to do it. <laughs> I don't I know how that. he's going to do it because he has no pass catchers. Actually, that's not true. What he's going to do is he's going to pass to Kenyon Drake, and Kenyon Drake's going to run for an 80-yard touchdown. And then Osweiler is also probably going to get a rushing touchdown from the one where, unlike Eli Manning, he just reaches out <laughs> his gigantic arms and gets the touchdown. So there you go, Osweiler over 12.5. All right. It's a bold take. No, I'm just kidding. All right, uh, Betts, how do you feel about it? I want to take the under so badly, but I don't think I can because of the fact that the Yahoo line is so low at 12.5. I mean, he only has to throw one touchdown and have a modest, decent day on uh, on the ground and through the air to actually get this done. So I'm going to take the over. I think that the Texans are going to do enough that he has to throw the ball to, to keep up and score. Oh, man. I, I, I'm i with you. I feel like it's going to be under because I just I know deep in my bones that he's bad. And actually, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and double down because – uh, he has no receivers. Who is he going to throw the ball to in order to, the, to rack the up Texans. those points? Well, exactly. The I mean, Texans. It's going to lead to like two or three interceptions. Uh, I'm going to take the under. It's such a low projection. I can't believe I'm betting the under for any quarterback at this at this uh, level. But if there's anyone who could do it, it's Brock Osweiler. So the True. under for me and over for you guys. Let's move on to the running back position. Uh, we just talked about Dalvin Cook being out. So Latavius Murray is projected for 11.1, and he will be playing uh, against the Saints at home. So uh, would you take the over or the under? Hmm. I'm going to take the under on this one. I think this is going to be a 50-plus pass attempts for Kirk Cousins type of game. <laughs> and... I think Murray has to get a touchdown to get 11.1, and I think I'm going to go with the fact that he doesn't, or the chance that he doesn't, and take the under. Yeah, i got to stop following Okada because I also am going to take the under on this one. It is definitely going to be a an all-attack, all-out attack through the air. Drew Brees and, and Kirk Cousins just slinging it all over the field. So I think that this game heavily favors pass-catching running backs, and for that reason, I think that Latavius Murray is going to go under. If his projection was a little bit lower, like maybe like nine and a half, I might be more inclined to take the over here. But 11.1 is just a little bit too high for my my liking here. And I think that, you know, the Saints have a good run defense and a pretty lenient passing defense. So, yeah, I'm with you guys. I think it's going to be Kirk Cousins show, Thielen show once again. Uh, I'm going to not not bet on Latavius Murray. So under for me and we're all matching. Let's move on to the wide receiver position. We're going to be talking about Jordy Nelson. Uh, he's kind of stepping up into a new role, so to speak, because of the wake of Amari Cooper. And he is projected for 9.4 points this week. So, would you like to take the over or the under? I would like you to go first, Kent. That's what I would like. Oh, such a gentleman. Mm, interesting. <laughs> Well, <laughs> I'm not ready for this, but I'm going to go ahead and take the over. I think Jordy Nelson has actually looked pretty good so far this year. Um, it, you know, in his limited usage, he's he's old and he's slow, slower than he used to be, but he still knows what Ouch. he's doing. He's a good route runner, and that's all you really need to be. Um, I think this is going to increase if they get 
anywhere near the red zone. Uh, he's going to be the go-to option. So all it takes is a touchdown and, you know, 30, 40 yards, and he's at this point. So I'm going to go ahead and take the over on Jordy. I like it. I'm also going to take the over. If there's one defense that he can get this number and go over on, it is the Colts, and that is who they play. Yeah. Also, there's no one else there to really throw the ball to besides Jared Cook, uh, who I think is going to have a monster game, and yeah. Jalen Richard out of the backfield. So uh, I will take the over as well. Um, I was going to lean towards taking the over, but A, the reason I wanted you guys to go first is so I could try to go contrarian. And B, I actually think that he is going to end up under. And what Betts kind of ended with is what I'm going to go with, which is Cook and Richard. I think that Carr is just going to throw uh, no more than one yard down the field. That's going to be his rule. No more than one yard past the line of scrimmage on all targets. Uh, But seriously, the Colts actually have had a decent pass rush, so that's their one okay sort of aspect on defense of I think the maybe we'll get a little pressure on him and Carr will just be dumping balls off like a madman and Nelson won't have a chance to get the 50 plus yards and a touchdown he probably needs to top this number so under for me all right locked in so let's move on to the tight end position we're going to be talking about Bengals tight end CJ Uzoma Uzoma don't care how to pronounce it I always forget <laughs> Okada, um, what is it? Yeah, you know. Oh, uh, I, I still haven't looked it up. Oh, I was, I'm supposed to do on. that. All right, well. I keep forgetting. He's going to be Yuzuma, <laughs> just because it's fun to say. But uh, he is projected for 7.2 points this week, and he's going to be playing at home against the Buccaneers. So let's start with bets on this one. I'm happy that you gave me the the first crack at this one. My easiest argument for this is that he's playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They give up the most to the tight end position. He is going over. That's a pretty good argument. I don't really <laughs> think I can disagree. Nailed um, it. Yeah, typically when we do a tight end over-under, he has to get a touchdown to go over. But in this case, I don't think Uzoma, Uzama, Uzima, whatever, Uzuma. does. Yes, Uzuma. Um Betts just mentioned it. The Buccaneers are truly awful against the passing game in general, but it's actually the tight end that the the tight end that they're worse against. So I have to take the over here. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of hard not to take this over because not only will the the Buccaneers are just going to be it's it's a high flying game when you play against the Buccaneers. There's just in a million points on both sides of the ball because their defense is so bad and their offense is actually pretty dang good. So. Uh, that's going to lead to, uh, like you said, the worst-ranked defense against tight ends, giving up more points to tight ends. And I'm going to take the over here as well. So we all are over there. That's going to be another wash, but that's okay. Uh, let's go on to our flex position. We're going to be talking about two running backs who are probably going to be playing, uh, you know, competing for snaps this week now that the normal starter, quote-unquote, Matt Breida has been... Uh, actually, he's not ruled out yet, but it sounds like he probably will be. So uh, we're talking about. Of Although course, every time it sounds like he will be, he isn't because he's Matt Breida. But that's, that's true. And I, but this time the coaches were like, "Okay, but seriously, guys, we gotta sit him. Like we, like we gotta actually sit him." This, this is time. like his ninth injury this year. That's not an exaggeration. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, like I was saying, the other running backs in this backfield are Alfred Morris, and then it's um, Colonel Mustard. No, Raheem Mostert. 
is his real name, and it is impossible to not call him Mustard. So, uh, which of these two guys are you willing to take this week playing uh, at the Arizona Cardinals? Okay, so first of all, I think that they're both possibly startable because this Cardinals run defense is so atrocious, as we've mentioned many times. But I've really liked what I've seen from Mustard Mostert. Um, And I think that Alfred Morris is just a little bit too slow and will not be able to catch up to Mustard. Oh my <laughs> yeah. gosh. No, yes. you did not. Yes. I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> no, you Let's did not. Go! <laughs> that was well planned. Okada, how long were you planning that for? About five minutes. <laughs> really? Wow. I thought you were like staying up all night last night, kind of figure out this joke for He wrote for down his best puns. <laughs> oh, that's incredible. All right, Bets, how do you feel about uh, these two? I don't even know what to say right now because that just was great. Um, I, I'm going to take. Uh, the Colonel in this one as well, Raheem Mostert. When you watch the two play, it is obvious who is the better talent at this point in their career. Uh, yeah, give me Mostert. Well, it uh, sounds like we're all going to be matching once again because I think that um, Alfred Morris is bad. I think he's bad at football. And I, I think that it's going to be easy for Mostert to win more snaps right from the get-go. Um, yeah, and that's really all there is to it for me, so... I have nothing else to say about Alfred Morris other than that he's bad. By the way, I did quickly look at the snap counts from last week, and Moser did have a few more. It was pretty even, but just the fact that he's already out snapping Morris when Brita went out after what well, this is basically his second game of getting snaps, I think that the 49ers coaching staff agrees with us as well. So I think he'll go up there. I like it. Drivers, start your engines! Moving on to this week's starts of the week. Uh, I'll, I'll try and bring you another weird one. I've been I've been doing that a lot lately. It's kind of fun, but we'll uh, we'll actually start with bets this week. I want to hear who you, uh, excuse me, who your start of the week is. Yeah, Kent, you have been killing it with these kind of off-the-wall starts of the weeks and giving all sorts of nerdy statistics to back it up. I'm going to keep it simple with my start of the week. Philip Lindsay is a guy that you absolutely have to get in your lineups this week, and I believe he's an RB1. He gets to face up against the Chiefs defense, who is giving up the second most fantasy points to the running back position this season. We already mentioned that Roy Streaman is is dealing with an injury, so he is absolutely going to see an increased workload in this game. And when he has been given the work uh, so far this season, when he's been given 12-plus touches, he's averaging 14 fantasy points a game. And this all happened while Roy Streaman was playing. So uh, now that he's likely to sit, uh, it's it's wheels up for for the Lindsay owners this week. I think he's going to have a great week. This is one of those I can't believe he's still – producing type of guys I'll, I'll take the l on on philip Lindsay early in the season i wasn't confident that he'd be able to take a workhorse type um amount of carries and produce with it and he has proven me wrong at every turn so i'm with it i mean especially with royce freeman banged up probably not going to be playing yeah philip Lindsay plus matchup all the way love it agreed all right let's swing it over to Okada, tell me your start of the week. Yeah, so I'm going to go with Mr. Marlon Mack of the Indianapolis Colts facing off against the Raiders. Now, 
he is coming off a gigantic day. Holy mackerel. Yeah. Um, and so I think a lot of owners will look at that and say, oh, goody, I want to start him again, but should I? I don't know if this was a fluke. And to that I say, do it. He had 19 carries for 159 total yards, including uh, some rece- receiving yards, and two touchdowns last week. Um, and that brings his total over his past two healthy games, I think really his only two healthy games of the season, to 31 carries, 215 rushing yards, plus the receiving work. And that's a 6.9 yards per carry. So this is what Matt, we know Mac could do when healthy, which is be explosive, and we're seeing it. Um, after coming back in week six, he had 35% of the snaps that week, 56% of the snaps last week. So he's climbing up on that regard. I think a lot of people are afraid of a committee with Hines and Wilkins. And I think that that's not entirely out of the picture, but it is fading from the picture. Like, uh, the family in, uh, Back to the Future, you know, Mm. they're all in the picture and they're just fading away. It's kind of like that. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Um, Meanwhile, on the other side of the ball, the Raiders are giving up 112 rushing yards per game to running backs. That's fifth worst. And they've given up seven total touchdowns to running backs in six games. Uh, And that was before losing their two best offensive players, which we've talked about today, which I think is going to make game scripts, as we've also talked about for the Raiders, horrific, which means very good for Mac. I think it's probably going to be one of the best game scripts for Mac of the entire year. So I think it's going to be one of the best games for Mac of the entire year possibly including last week, which would be a very, very, very high fantasy total. So give me Marlon Mack against the Raiders, please. Interesting. I like it. Yeah, 100%. The only thing that I'm a little upset with here, Okada, and actually this is even on you, Kent, we've got to get a return of the Mack drop in here for for when this comes Mm. up. Good call. Um, That would have been great if that happened. But who knows? Maybe next week one of us will make him the start of the week again and we can do it. But yeah, I love it, Okada. He's a great play this week. I'll be ready for that day because honestly, the rest of the season, I'm I'm pretty all in on uh, Marlon Mack. I've been I've been sitting on him in in the listener league as well. If you guys noticed, that roster is pretty much stacked, so you can just uh, give me the championship now. But uh, Matt Ryan needed 15 points in the second half. He was so close. <laughs> <laughs> I squeezed out that win. I mean, I didn't feel confident in that one at all. So coming um, down to the wire. Yeah. All right, well, uh, I'll, I'll fill you guys in on who my start of the week is this weekend. And it's a little bit less crazy than my normal ones. Maybe a little bit more crazy uh, because the last two weeks he has been just terrible. Um, but I think it's time for another one of those crazy Isaiah Crowell boom weeks. And, you know, this is partially due to the fact that uh, Bilal Powell has been put on IR. I think that uh, this Cannon kid, I, I forget his first name. Um, Trenton, Trenton, Trenton. It's Trenton Cannon. Um I don't think he's the real deal. I think he had one good game, and I think that uh, it's likely that Crowell's probably going to get like 75% of the touches in this backfield. And yeah, they're playing against the Bears, but there's one the thing. Bears. The Bears, the big scary Bears. But <laughs> <laughs> I love that. There's one thing uh, that I think people are maybe a little bit overreacting to the Bears right now. I, the defense is good. Don't get me wrong. I think they're a little bit more exploitable, by pass-catching running backs than most people would be led to believe. Um, To running backs this season, they've given up three passing touchdowns and zero rushing touchdowns. So that in and of itself is already one thing that leads you to that. They're also the seventh, uh, excuse me, they're giving up the seventh most yards per reception to running backs. 
So mm, it's not been like they haven't been like giving up a lot of plays, but when they do, they've been they've been giving up yards. And I think that it's possible that Crowell, uh, you know, gets probably like six, seven targets in this game just from dump offs, pretty much. Uh, you know, they're they're without uh, Quincy Anunua, and they oh they just they just brought in um, the receiver. We should have probably Richard talked about Matthews. They just brought yeah. in Richard Matthews, but he's probably not going to be doing much week one. Uh, Kierce did pretty much nothing last week and, uh, Robbie Anderson's been okay, but kind of hit or miss. So I think that we're going to see some targets going to Isaiah Crowell and there's really no one else there worth throwing to. So I'm going to kind of say that he's a high floor PPR play might not have the greatest upside considering it's the bears defense and he might not get any rushing touchdowns, uh, but throw him a chance for a receiving touchdown. That's kind of where I'm at. And, uh, it's risky, but I think people are thinking about it because he's like the number six running back on the season, even though he has like four games below four points or something crazy like that. So it's, um, I think it's one of those weeks where he could be a little bit more reliable than people would like to think. Especially in a week where bye weeks are brutal and there's a lot of, of good players out this week. Um, I don't blame you for making him your, your start of the week when the choices are so slim. Uh, this is kind of the the state that we're at, unfortunately, in the NFL with these bye weeks. So, yeah, I like it. Yeah, I suppose we should bring that up. Uh, this week, uh, week eight, the teams on bye are the Chargers, the Cowboys, the Falcons, and the Titans. So there's there's certainly some, some running back, running backs in there that you are not able to play this week. So... You got to decide between a Crowell or a Mostert, and uh, unfortunately, that's that's how fantasy football goes. So, I'm I'm gonna play Crow this week. Why do you do this to me? I'm benching you, Lewis. I don't want to word out of you. Sit down. Now let's start talking about guys that we don't like as much this week. If one of you chose Isaiah Crowell, I would not be upset. To be perfectly honest, that's just <laughs> kind of how things go around here. But um, no, I'm just kidding. Let's let's start with bets on this one. Tell me someone you're uh, you're sitting down, even though he's probably seen as an every week starter normally. Yeah, the guy that I'm gonna sit down this week is a guy that I feel like I've talked about a lot on this podcast, and I don't know why that is. Uh, Devin Funchess, who I will admit I was not high on at all this season, uh, but he's been very good the past two weeks, um, 20 plus fantasy points because he's finding the end zone. But he's facing a very very difficult matchup this week against a Baltimore Ravens defense and secondary that I believe is elite. I don't even know if this is a hot take, but I would put them up there with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Marlon Humphrey, Brandon Carr, Jimmy Smith, they're they're three top cornerbacks, and all those guys, in my opinion, are are top options at that position. So, you know, the defense and the, the passing attack there is going to struggle against a very good, you know, secondary that gives up the third fewest points to wide receivers. And I went back and looked to see what wide receiver ones for their team did against this Baltimore passing attack. And last week, Michael Thomas had a pretty good day, 7 for 69 and 1. Corey Davis the week before, just one catch for 24 yards. Jarvis Landry, okay day, 5 for 69. And then Antonio Brown, 5 for 62 and a touchdown. So you can pretty much lock in 5 for 50 to 60 yards. But if he doesn't find the end zone, that absolutely crushes your week. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and sit Devin Funches down this week. Are you are you still holding out for a DJ Moore breakout at all? I mean, do you feel like this is going to be Funches's lead lead role for the rest of the season? Or I don't know. I do. You, yeah, I do. Sadly, I, I like DJ Moore and I still love him, especially in dynasty formats. But uh, we just I don't think I've seen enough. And I think Funches has been good enough to keep Cam's trust and you know, maintain that top receiver option in the offense. 
All right, well, uh, let's uh, let's swing it over to Okada here. Okada, tell me who your sit of the week is for week eight. All righty. I'm going with a Kent-style, make-bets-happy type of sit of the week, and it is Christian McCaffrey. What? Yes. Now, this is a, a good timing because Bets just talked about the Ravens' defense, and that is a large part of why I'm sitting Christian McCaffrey. Uh, but before I get to that and what they're doing against the run as well, McCaffrey himself has been struggling uh, over the past few weeks. His carries have decreased every week since the monstrous week three where I think he had 28 carries. It was all the way down to seven last week. He has one total touchdown all season. I think that's flying under the radar. This guy wow. is not scoring. And that was back in week five. His receptions have been solid, a, a five per week since week three. But not the 7-8 plus per week that I think that he needs to kind of make up for his lack of rushing production and touchdowns. And we knew that that coming into the season that he wasn't going to be a huge scorer and maybe not a huge rusher, but that he should get elite receptions um, to make up for it. And he's been okay in that regard, but not enough to make up for it to where he should be, which is an RB1 level player. Now, I still think he's going to bounce back for the most part, but it's not going to be this week. So this week he takes on the Ravens D. These are their ranks and their their stats against running backs this year. They're allowing 3.5 yards per carry. That's the fourth lowest. They're allowing 90 scrimmage yards per game. That's the second lowest. They've allowed two total touchdowns to running backs the entire season. So that's two from the Ravens all year, one by McCaffrey all year. That is not a good recipe for touchdowns. And they've only allowed 27 receptions to running backs, which is the third fewest per game in the entire league. We even just watched Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram average 3.3 yards per carry against this defense and total four receptions for 20 yards. Kamara saved his day with a touchdown, but I don't think McCaffrey can. So I'm going to actually sit McCaffrey even potentially from my flex, if you have no some yes, you if did you not. have wow, if you have picked up some guys throughout the season, I would start a lot of them over Christian McCaffrey this week. I don't see a scenario how how that's even possible with the bye weeks, but I, I would mean, start Colonel Mustard over Christian McCaffrey. Would you really? <laughs> yes, I would. That's, wow, that's pretty heavy, man. I don't know how I feel about that. I own Christian McCaffrey in a lot of places and I cannot sit him down most likely because of the fact that I don't have a great option behind him maybe I should go check the waivers for Colonel Mustard but um, <laughs> I just don't see how fantasy owners can can sit down a guy that they took in the second round but very spicy Okada I will say that's that's on Kent's level of uh, spiciness there I love it I love Try. the spice Okada it's, the spice is nice <laughs> but uh yeah, let's uh, let's talk about my sit of the week. Then I'll wrap up this segment uh, as well. Uh, I'm sorry, Okada, you got to sit down, Boo. Josh Gordon. Yeah, no, you do. Boo. I mean, he's coming off a hundred yard game. He looked really strong. Uh, you know, he's getting the targets, the opportunity, the snaps in this offense, and it's something that people weren't really sure if he was going to get. So, seeing that already is really great, and I think he's going to be a great receiver rest of the season. However. You don't want to play a receiver that's going against Tredavious White, the cornerback for the Buffalo Bills. He has been outstanding this year. He's a second-year player. 
Uh, he finished last season rated above a 90 in PFF grades. He's been a little bit of hot and cold this year, but he's still very good. He's only allowed 57% catch rating. In the last two games against the Texans, uh, he only they only targeted receivers covered by White three times, the Texans. And last week, the Colts only targeted uh, the receiver covered by White one time. Teams are avoiding Tredavious White on purpose, and I think that's right up Bill Belichick and Tom Brady's alley as well. They're going to exploit the defense in any way they can, and that means not throwing to whoever is covered by Tredavious White. You know, they have James White there. They still have Chris Hogan. They have Edelman. They, uh, Gronk, Gronk's going to be uh, – is he in or There's out? There's a chance he plays. Yeah. They're optimistic that he could play this week, but unsure at this point. E- even still – yeah. Just really quick, he play, they play on Monday Night Football. Yeah. So this is a big deal. You guys need to be aware of if you have Gronk. If you wait to start him and he doesn't play, you will have no one unless you maybe go and get Charles Clay, uh, yeah. who's the Bills option. So if you're if you're going to wait for Gronk, get Clay. Otherwise, you got to start someone else. That's a, that's a good Hashtag well. never Dwayne Allen. Yeah, no. <laughs> yes. No, don't touch him. True. <laughs> but uh, anyway, my, my point was that there's – there's plenty of options, and that Brady doesn't need Josh Gordon to succeed. He didn't before he showed up. He it's it's a bonus. He likes having Josh Gordon, but this game is not going to be the time to do it. Uh, the Colts last week stomped the sorry Bills and just ran the ball all over him. That was a Marlon Mack game, hundred uh, percent. And I think this is going to be you know if he plays Sony Michelle, if he doesn't Kenyon Barnyard, what's his name? I forget. Kenyon Barner. Barnyard is what I always want to say. But, (laughs) um, yeah, no, it's – I just don't see it being a Josh Gordon-type game. So you're going to be excited after you had that 100 yards. I say relegate him to the bench one week and then get some better matchups going out of the season. You got nothing, Okada? Uh, I I was waiting for it. I'm saving it because I'm going to talk about (laughs) Josh Gordon in about 12 seconds. Okay. Got it. All right. Well, let's, let's save that. Let's back pocket that. And we're going to go on to a new segment. Think big. Think positive. Never show any sign of weakness. Always go for the throat. Buy low, sell high. Fear, that's the other guy's problem. All right, we're going to talk about some trade targets for the middle of the season. Uh, I'm sure your trade deadlines are probably approaching if you're in. um, You know, I'd, I'd say most good leagues have a trade deadline that's a couple weeks before the playoffs so you probably have another couple weeks uh be sure to check on that and be aware of when that is for your specific league but it's it's time to get crazy and trade for guys you think are gonna have a good rest of season so we each picked out one of our own trade targets and guys we wanted to trade for uh to have for the rest of the season so i'll kick this one off with the obvious answer and it's kind of based on news we talked about today i think you got to trade for David Johnson. I've already sent out multiple trade offers. Uh, I haven't had any bites yet uh, because the situations haven't really been great for uh, being able to afford it, but I think his price is as low as it's ever going to get. Uh, The way this offense has looked in Arizona has just been terrible, and I think Rosen has nowhere to go but up from here. Uh, So with the new offensive coordinator, with Rosen getting into form, with the, the receivers stepping up like Christian Kirk, maybe Chad Williams. Um, yeah, I think DJ has nowhere to go but up as well. And he's he's still like running back 11 on the season right now, depending on your scoring settings. So it's not like he's been that bad. He's been consistently getting you like 10 to 12 points. But those those huge games that you remember from seasons past, they're coming back. He has the easiest 
run defense schedule going out of the year. He has a new offensive coordinator. I'm ready to buy back in. And I think that someone else who's not maybe as aware of the news about the offensive coordinator and how important that is might be willing to sell him and get whatever they can get for a quote-unquote running back one. And they'll just sell him for, you know, not bottom dollar, but somewhere lower than, than he's actually valued. Okay, so I have one point of hesitation and one question for you, Bets or for Bets Kent. Yes, hey, look, we can mess it up too. It's not me anymore. It's not impossible. <laughs> Bent, Bet, 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 and Kent sounds kind of similar, like oh, Matt and Matt. That's so good. I, I oh. give myself some leeway there. Okay, so <laughs> the one small point of hesitation is this, and I even said earlier I don't think this offense will get worse. However. New offensive coordinators typically take a little bit of time to get gelled and to get their system gelled with a team. So that is my small point of hesitation. If, despite the fact that this offensive system will be better at some point, if it's if it's slow to get off the ground, that could potentially keep holding DJ back. And then my one question is, what what is your price that you're willing to pay? Because my feeling is that after a couple good games, and again, he like you said, he's not been the elite talent he should have been, but after a couple good games in a row now, I feel like the owners that have been holding on to him desperately are now clutching at him tighter than ever. So I'm wondering what you would be willing to give to pry him away. I offered Mike Evans for David Johnson. Wow, okay. I think if I, I think was that the DJ would do it. owner, I, I might... I might actually take that, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's definitely I mean, a, a very fair offer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Evans is great. He's um, he's just kind of like a jump up and catch it type of guy. So I I, I feel it's like working, he's, always, he's always going to be – it is working. He's just always going to be like that bottom of the wide receiver one, and he's never really going to be much more than that overall. Kent, you're I mean, such a snob. Such a snob. <laughs> Whoa! I mean, oh, I'm trying to I want a wide But I'm trying to trade for a running back that has best of the wide receiver ones. But I'm trying to trade him for a running back that has top three potential in this league. And yeah, that's fair. That's, that's fair. Quest- I don't think that's questionable the, as far the as the goes. Yeah. So yeah, I don't the know. upside of DJ outweighs the upside of Evans. I agree with you on that. And the and the guy I was True. trading with was he was savvy, so he he was like, now nah, wait and see how the offensive coordinator does. So he he was aware of that, but he did he did say like, oh, that's a that's a fair offer, and, and he actually considered mm. it for a little while. So um, that that's approximately my one to one value comparison. Seems legit. Yeah, that's I, I think it, if you go any higher than that, I think you're overpaying. Uh, but anyway, let's uh, let's swing it over to one of you guys. Who wants to go next? Fight, fight for it. Uh, I'll jump in because you recently talked about him, and so I have to I have to address it. And I almost didn't pick him because it's kind of too obvious because we talk about him too much. But come on, it's Josh Gordon. I'm not going to not talk about him. <laughs> Listen, first of all, it's Flash, and I love him in every way possible. Uh, and he's a Patriot now, which makes it even better. But secondly, go back and listen to my arguments for Gordon. Last week is my start of the week, where he came through with 100 yards, and you'll hear pretty much everything that I liked going into that week, and most of it continues to apply. If you didn't hear that, or if you just want to hear it again, here's a brief rundown. So the snap count, weeks four through seven, when he came over to last week, 22%, 26%, 81%, 95%. That's a good trend. 
target trend over that same week span. Two, four, nine, seven. His 16 targets combined over the past two weeks are second only to James White on that team. And the best part about buying Josh Gordon right now is that his numbers, his raw fantasy numbers, don't quite show yet what he's doing what he's doing and what he can do in this offense, which makes his price much lower than it should be, in my opinion. And another thing, watching the games helps a lot with Gordon in ways that you don't often get uh, all the time from looking at numbers. The way that they're targeting him at or near the end zone is really attractive and potentially even a part of the reason that Gronk hasn't scored for a few weeks now. Um, he hasn't actually scored since week one, but that could be the reason for the past few weeks because they really like Gordon there. Uh, and the way that Brady is chucking it up, literally just throwing it at Gordon anywhere within a five-foot-ish radius of his head, and, and no matter how he's covered and knowing or hoping and trusting is the most important thing, that Gordon will come down with it, and he's been coming down with it. If you saw the catch where he snatched it like a mile away from his body and then fell to the ground over the corner back and knocked his helmet off, it was incredible. This guy is a, a beast. Beauty. It was. He he is a thing of beauty. So capitalize on the fact that his fantasy points don't quite show how good he is and what he can be in this offense. Now, as far as the this week matchup, I do agree with Kent that Tredavis White's really, really tough guard so it's possible you wait till after this week and hope gordon doesn't have a good Man. week the one thing i will say well what's that, I, was, I was waiting this whole time to be like you know i actually have better advice for our, our listeners you wait until <laughs> after you sit yeah, listeners, <laughs> oh, pick a and side. then you trade for you it or, or wait until after he has bad a bad advice. performance but yeah it's not bad advice here's my only counter to that gordon is a type of guy who a can beat elite corners like only a few people in this league aka Julio, DeAndre Hopkins, those kinds of guys can do. And B, it only takes one or two catches for Gordon to have a good and productive fantasy day. So he's one of the few types of receivers who I would consider starting against an elite corner. Again, Kent's arguments are fair. So if you can sit him, I don't mind it. And if you can trade for him afterwards, I don't mind it. But get you some Josh Gordon however you can. And Okada, and you mentioned a lot of those interesting stats, which I found um, really insightful. During that time period where you mentioned, you know, the snap counts increasing, how many Instagram video or pictures did Tom oh, Brady post? Ooh. One big, well, okay. fat, delicious Instagram picture. That is the most important stat that our listeners need to know. True. Tom Brady loves this man. I, I love Okada. <laughs> I think that he's in Preach. for a huge second half. All right. Well, um, yeah, we still got one left, so let's let's go ahead and talk about it. Yeah, I'll be brief since I know we got to wrap up here on time. Uh, would you guys like a wide receiver? on your team, who is currently ranked 13 in half PPR scoring? Yeah, I would. Yes, I would. How about a receiver getting 25% of his team's target share? Uh, yes, that please. We nice. like that? Yep. How about targets over the season? 6, 13, 10, 11, 11 again, 4, 14. Mm. Give uh, me Stefan Diggs. I like no one numbers. is talking about this guy. No <laughs> one's talking about Stefan Diggs. And the reason is because Adam Thielen, and I totally agree with this, has been amazing. So while you know all of your league mates out there are all in on Adam Thielen, as they should be, don't forget about Stephon Diggs. I think that at this point in the season, people are discounting what value he is in and how good he truly has been. He's a wide receiver, 13. 
So it's not like he's, you know, playing second fiddle by extremes to Adam Thielen. And actually, over the past four weeks, three of those weeks, he's been out-targeted compared to Thielen. So much better days are ahead for Stephon Diggs. I think that this is probably the lowest that his value is going to be for the rest of the season. Go buy him right now. Oh! Yes! I love it! Yes! <laughs> All right, let's now, stop that. <laughs> I, I have to ask the, the, the big question. I love what you have said, Betts, and I love Diggs, so I hope you're right. I have to ask this question, though. Who is the better receiver? Oh, it's Adam Thielen. Yeah, I have to. It is. I have to admit it. Wow. He has been... Yeah. Amazing. If, it, it, he always matches up against the, you know, the slot, which is fantastic. No, I shouldn't say always. A lot of yeah. times he's in the slot, which is fantastic uh, for his matchups. And he's he's just unguardable on the slot. And the Vikings figured it out, and they know it works. And I I love this guy, man. I was high on digs all year, and I know that all of us still are. But man, you've got to respect the fact that Adam Thielen is he's up there. I would say top five elite receivers. Well, I mean, in this league, he's pacing and breaking franchise and NFL records. How do you not if you don't say he's the better one at least at this point in time, then you you're you're nuts. And that's that's all there really is to say about that, honestly. That's yeah, you've got to you got to put your biases aside and just don't, respect the beautiful Don't get me wrong. That Adam Thielen is doing. I'm happy that Stefan Diggs is our second wide receiver right now. Like <laughs> oh, gosh, I, yeah. I, I'm elated, but uh yeah no it's it's pretty great but i think if dig switched to those gold gloves that thielen wears oh. it might do the trick is that is that what it is are, it's the gloves. sexy <laughs> all right real quick before we get out of here let's head over to the mailbag can we talk about the mail please mac i'm dying to talk about the mail for you all day okay all right, we got a couple of questions we can go over here real quick and talk about. Uh, you, these came in on Twitter. You tweeted at uh, RedshirtsFFPod and let us know what your questions are. So up first we have at, I'm, a, I'm assuming this stands for Texas, but it's TX underscore Huntsman. And he, uh, he or she asks, is Deshaun Jackson matchup proof going forward? My answer is no. No. Yeah. Never. No is my Never, answer. Ever. His, so... We expected him to drop off when Winston came back, and he had a 77-yard game, but that was against the Falcons. And then he had a very, very poor receiving game last week, but got a rushing touchdown. So I think that he's looked... His numbers over the past two weeks have looked fluky, and I think that it's going to drop off, and you're not going to want to start him very often at all, let alone matchup. From from my understanding, he actually has uh, some... expressed some grievances with Jameis Winston. Uh, since coming back so I, I i don't think there's the best locker room chemistry there and i think that will end up leading to him being a little bit more unreliable like you were saying yeah one more thing really quick and this is another one where watching games really does make a difference that chemistry you're talking about is very clearly not there in the field i feel like the last 15 times that winston has targeted Deshaun jackson deep down the field he has missed him completely they are not on the same yeah, page open. on deep balls. He's open. He's just yeah. not getting, he, getting the he's ball. He's burning people he just to. like he did when Fitz was throwing it, but Fitz would always throw it right, and Winston is always throwing it wrong. All right, well, uh, let's go ahead and move on to the next question here. This is from a friend of the show, uh, Michael Stepney. He is at mstepney71. 
He says, first, let me say long time, first time. Secondly, I love listening to each new episode once it's available. And the interaction, energy, and humor between all of you is really a blast. He asks us, who is your mid-season MVP and who is your biggest mid-season fantasy bust? You guys are prepared for this one, and I'm not, so I'll go ahead and let one of you two go first. I'll go. Uh, We just talked about this guy, and I also want to say before we start here, thank you, Michael, for the question. You are the man. He is frequently letting me know as soon as I tweet something out that there is probably at least one or two spelling errors in it. So, Michael, you're the man. Thank you. Uh, To answer your question, (laughs) my biggest midseason fantasy MVP right now is Adam Thielen. We just talked about how incredible it's been. Seven straight weeks of over 100 yards. He is just destroying anyone and everyone in his path. And there's no signs of him slowing down. So for me, the fact that you got him probably late second, maybe even in the third, uh, and what he's doing is is phenomenal. So I'm going to go with Thielen. Yeah, that's that's definitely a good call. The best part about him is value. The guy I'm going to say is my MVP is hard to have value because he was drafted number one. But Todd Gurley has actually returned value on the number one overall pick, which is nearly impossible to do. He has been unbelievable Ladanian Tomlinson from the mid-2000s levels of unbelievable. My favorite stat right now is that he has 88 points this year on touchdowns and two-point conversions. The entire Buffalo Bills team does not have that many points. I saw that. That's that's so so gross. It's unbelievable. (laughs) It is out of control. If they get within the 20-yard line, Gurley's going to score a touchdown. So he's my MVP. I love him. Yeah. How can you uh, not? It's hard to argue. It's hard to argue with it. Uh, Todd Gurley is really, really good. I I, I thought of two names here when I was thinking of this real quick. The one I'm not going to talk about was Barkley. I think he's been really impressive considering he's a rookie. He was first-round draft pick. So that was just kind of an honorable mention. But the one for me is Pat Mahomes. I I think that everyone was kind of, Mm -hmm. you know, expecting this upside maybe on a, you know, game-to-game basis. He is showing massive upside every single game he plays. He's the undisputed QB one right now for me uh, going forward to the rest of the season. As far as a dynasty QB, he's number one as well. There's no reason at this point to doubt him. I think, you know, he's shown a little bit of cracks with a couple of interceptions here and there, but he's still so solid. And considering uh, how cheap he was in drafts, like ninth or 10th round in some cases. uh, Yeah. He, that's an MVP for getting that kind of scoring from that late in the draft. So I love Mahomes. One cool thing about that or about, what we've just said is those three guys should honestly be the the three guys in the MVP conversation in the real NFL. Yeah, that's a good point. Maybe along with Drew Brees, but if they stay on these pace these paces, it should be those three guys nominated or getting the votes. Oh, 100%. Okay, let's let's real quick do some bus. Uh let's start with uh bets on this one. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh with the tight end here, Rob Gronkowski. Yeah. And not oh. because he's been that bad. Honestly, he's you know, he's still tight end 1. He's he's tight end 8 on the year, but because of where you had to draft him to get him, the return on that investment has just not been there and, and a lot of that is because of the scoring. Those big boom weeks just aren't happening with all those weapons there. Um, and now he's banged up with injury and so I just think that, you know, if you drafted him, you're you're certainly disappointed with the output that you've gotten so far this year. Quick question for you, Betts. I'm wondering, with that injury and with the weapons, do you consider him a buy low? Yeah, absolutely, I do. I mean, the the thing is, you know, the Patriots haven't said much about his back injury. They're saying it's not expected to be too serious. So 
you know, I, I don't know if this is really smart of me to do, but I will trust the fact that they're probably hopefully telling the truth. Um, but when you are looking at the tight end position, there's a few guys in this league who can do it. Gronk does in terms of their output and so absolutely you can you can buy low on him and I would feel comfortable doing so yeah I kind of tend to agree with that uh real quick my my bust of the year is going to be a combination of Marcus Mariota and Corey Davis it's uh I thought I was the biggest fan of Corey Davis coming into the draft and everything like I really liked him and the scouting process I like his talent Mariota as well, I thought he was really talented, but they, the two of them have just been massively underperforming. There's been a little bit of injuries causing that here and there, but I was expecting a lot more of them this year, and that whole offense really looks bad. So uh, Corey Davis was like a fourth or fifth rounder at, at, at certain points, so he's a pretty big bust considering, uh, at least in the format I'm looking at, he's wide receiver 44 going into the bye this week. So, yeah, it's pretty disappointing. Fully on board there. My bust, I have to throw it out. It's kind of a cop-out, but and I wouldn't even include it if it was more of an injury-type situation. But it's Le'Veon Bell, and he makes the list because he's chosen to do this to your fantasy team. I mean, really, he's doing it for himself, obviously. But all of us who drafted him are suffering. Yeah. So, come on. Come back. Play football, get money. He's, he's, <laughs> he wants to get more money, and he's given up seven million dollars trying to get more money. It's it's getting a little confusing at this point. So yeah, that is Bell absolutely is the most ironic thing ever, right? His whole thing is, I want to get paid. I want to get paid, dude. Seven million dollars just out the window. He could have just played and give that money to me if he really didn't want it. Like <laughs> I could use yeah. seven million. But uh, all right, let's. Uh, we we all got our bust in there, right? I think we did. Yes, we did. Yeah, okay. Yes. So let's let's move on. We got one more question uh, we'll go over from a fan here. This is from, I think it's Cody Kutzer, uh, at C. Mm-hmm. Kutzer. Yeah, he's in the listener league. He says, not an original question by any means, but my f- uh, my favorite at this time of year, What? who's one player that you're buying rest of season, one that you're selling? So we already kind of talked about who we're buying. So let's, let's say, who's someone that you're selling? Okada? Uh, this one's tough. I wanted to say James Conner, but we talked about how I think, because we talked about Bell coming back, but I think you just have to keep writing him out. Um, so I'm going to say Tevin Coleman. Mm. And the reason is because I think there's a lot of hype because of the Devonta Freeman injury and everyone remembers what Coleman has been in the past and what they expected him to be now with Freeman out. And he's kind of looked like well, he hasn't looked like, but his fantasy numbers have looked like that expectation. But in reality, he hasn't actually looked like uh, what those fantasy numbers tell. He was quite bad you know, on Monday night and then got all of his points pretty much on one big 30-yard touchdown. Um, and Ido Smith, I think they're going to keep working him in. I think they want to see what they have in him. There's a good chance they get rid of Coleman uh, in the... Well, there's a small chance, I guess, they trade him, but I think a good chance they get rid of him next season. Um, so yeah, I'm uh, I'm gonna say sell sell Coleman where you can. Yeah, I'm kind of with you there. Yeah, I'll go ahead and jump into with one that I think is is a sell, um, and this is a guy that you actually probably just picked up off of waivers or free agency last week with big time trade news. It's Nick Chubb, and the reason is not necessarily because I don't think he's good at football. I think he's very good. I just think that what we saw out of Carlos Hyde was very 
fluky in terms of his production came almost entirely off of touchdowns. Now, obviously, the two players are different. I do think that Chubb is a little bit uh, more juice left in the tank at this point in the season, so he could be a lot more effective. But it's possible, too, that the same situation happens, but he doesn't find the end zone and he doesn't get these touchdowns. I've seen some trades go down in my leagues that he's being treated as if he is a bona fide top 12 running back. And if you can get that value for him, I would absolutely uh, do it. Not actively looking to get rid of him, but if the right offer comes, no problem shipping him off. Yeah, uh, that's a good one as well. Definitely, it's it's fun to sell hype. I mean, it, it can kind of suck because it, it's fun to pick up those guys who end up being running back ones for the rest of the season. But frankly, they're not all that common or definitely not as common as you think. So um, I can get with that idea. I think my sell candidate is going to be Alvin Kamara. And uh, that might come to a bit of a a surprise to some people because he scored like 40 points a week for the first four weeks. But Mark Ingram's back. And now I think we've kind of seen a baseline in the last two weeks of what the normal amount of touches are for Alvin Kamara. And the fact of the matter is, I've talked about this several times in the offseason, he's not going to be hyper-efficient for his entire career. He's going to have good games, sure. But if you're expecting the (laughs) running back like five or better out of him, I don't think there's a chance of it. Uh, for entire season length type of uh, pacing so if you can get like a Barkley or a you know Melvin Gordon or something like that or maybe a top tier wide receiver although I don't know if I'd take any of them for him uh, I would do it I would take any of those top running backs over Kamara right now so that that'd be my way of looking at it yeah I think that's the only situation in which I would I would trade him I would definitely not do a two for one or anything like that because in those cases you definitely get the short end of the stick so yeah unless you're getting another stud back in return that is more solidified in their volume um, otherwise I'm definitely holding him what about like a Camara and a Tyler Boyd for Gurley would you do that oh yes thousand percent yes Camara and Evans that is tough Oh, I don't yeah, know. I feel like if that came across, much, but the Boyd, yeah, Boyd if that was a little came bit across better. my inbox and I was the girly owner, I think I would be tempted enough to hit accept. But at the same time, I would be very excited if I was the other owner too. So I don't know, man. That's <laughs> yeah. too tough. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I I know we're at the very end here, but I just have to say this: someone offered me Antonio Brown and Kareem Hunt for Todd Gurley, and I said no this past week. What well, What were the players? I Antonio Brown and Kareem Hunt. You said no. I said Ooh. no. Todd Gurley is that good. You, The drop-off that you get from Gurley to anything else, I don't think any other players can make it up over decent starters. That's fair, I guess. That's Boy, that's a big trade to turn down, though. That's just where I'm at. Mm-hmm. That's, that's interesting. It was hard. Yeah. How long did you think about it before you said no? A good amount of time. <laughs> and I even asked a couple people at my work where I was uh, at the time. but And they wanted me to do it, and I was like, nah. He's my boy. (laughs) All right. Well, let's go ahead and wrap up this show then. Thank you so much for those Twitter questions. We'll have that again out uh, again next Tuesday or Wednesday, whenever we remember. And uh, we'll get those questions answered for you. But uh, week eight is here. Let's uh, let's go win some more matches, get into those playoffs and the season's strong. Uh, You know, the fantasy season is uh, 16 weeks for a reason. You got to play every single week. You can't just uh, draft and walk away unless you're playing best ball. But that's not why you're here. So, In which case, you can do that. You can, yeah. <laughs> and uh, 
Yeah. But anyway, thank you for listening. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at RedshirtsFFPod. We are part of the Fantasy Authority podcast tree, so go reach out and listen to Dynasty Life or the DFS DGen Nation podcasts. They are both very excellent. So thank you for listening, and once again, we are the Redshirts. Shirts.